Now, the powerful passage that we want to unpack today, and I'll tell you what, I'm so glad we sang that last song, because a wave of discouragement was just sweeping over me a few minutes ago, just massive, right? Mainly because what COVID has done to the church, right? Isolated us, you know, not everybody's here. I just, just, it was pretty brutal just hanging over me. I was texting my older kids that aren't here. Hey, pray for me, pray for me. I need some extra prayer. But I love that line, you know, hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds, right? It's unfolding and sometimes our triumph will not unfold as quickly as we may like it to unfold. But he's never failing, right? Amen? That was so weak. I'll, I'll keep you here all day, I'm telling you. Amen? All right. Okay, we're, we're going to look at First uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. And I would encourage you to lean into the Word. You know, lean in and listen, or lean in and follow along on the screen, on your Bible app, or in your Bible, as Peter writes the following. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's exiles, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Assyria, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkle with His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Okay. Oh, all right, that's me. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. I was thinking, I, I did the slides this week, like for the first time, I occasionally do them, and they could be totally messed up. So I thought, okay, maybe I messed up here, but I messed up in more ways than one. But, but did you notice that in that verse that Peter mentions the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit? And see, the only reason that you and I can have a living hope is because God the Father chose us because Jesus Christ died for us and because the Holy Spirit lives in us. He continues, Peter, apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's exiles, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, now why does Peter use those words, exiles and scattered, to describe these Jesus followers? Because that's exactly who they were. They were exiles, and, and that's exactly what happened to them. They were scattered. You see, the place that these first century believers found themselves in was a, a very rough place to come to Christ and to grow in the faith. I mean, the very moment they choose to follow Jesus, they set themselves up against the culture of the day, a culture that said, Caesar is Lord, we live for him, we serve him, we give our lives for his glory, we celebrate his rule and dominion. You see, choosing Christ and declaring Jesus is Lord we live for Him, we serve Him, we give our lives for His glory, we celebrate His rule and dominion, more often than not, meant that they lost their families, their friends turned away from them, their careers ended or were severely hampered, their social standing plummeted, and their very lives were in serious jeopardy. You see, when Peter wrote these words, the persecution on the Nero was beginning to really heat up. I mean, there's no doubt that those who first read that letter had suffered and lost much. Fifteen times in this letter, Peter talks about suffering, and he uses eight different Greek words to unpack it. Now, understand, a lady who lost her husband because he was arrested and killed by the sword, 
uh, families whose home was burned down, children who were now orphans, a father who lost his job, a young man whose family disowned him and threatened him, all read these words. Yet things were tough, and they're about to get even tougher. Before long, Nero would throw these, some believers into the Colosseum to be torn apart by wild animals. He would dip these believers in, in tar and set them on fire to illuminate the Roman sky. Question, do you think these believers were a little discouraged? Do you think that life and things really start to both wear them down and wear them out? Do you think they could use some good news, some living hope? Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it's an, under, it's a, it's an understatement to say that these believers had a hard time in following Christ. Question, did discouragement at hard times, did difficulty, did pain, did hurt, did suffering end in the first century? No. I mean, do believers still get discouraged today? Do they still lose their hope in the midst of challenging times? Hold on. I need to go to silent mode. How's my daughter praying for me? You know, I, I see discouraged people all the time. I see single moms discouraged because they're worn out for doing all by themselves. I see people discouraged over their marriage. I see people discouraged because of family issues, anger, abuse, addiction, conflict, and division. I see people discouraged because of financial problems, health problems, job issues. I see people discouraged because they stood up for the truth and what is right and they got burned for it. I see people discouraged because they keep falling into the trap of that old familiar sin. I mean, they thought by now that sin would be in the rearview mirror and they'd be doing great things for God. I see people discouraged because of all the hatred and division, corruption and injustice, censoring and canceling, calling evil good and good evil that is becoming an epidemic in our country. I see people discouraged because of the seemingly never-ending, nearly all of life impacting, politically and emotionally charged COVID-19 virus. Yeah, I see discouraged people pretty much all the time. And sometimes if I want to find a discouraged person, all I need to do is to, to look in the mirror. Are you discouraged today? Do you need some good news? Like, is your hope on life support right now? If so, God, through his servant Peter, has some good news for you and for me. News intended to infuse life into your hope. Get it? Good. To those scattered, exiled, persecuted believers in the first century, and to us today, Peter says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who by faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, these have come, these hard times and difficulties you're in, so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him 
and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointed when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when he spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels, even angels long to look into these things. Heavenly Father, we humbly come into your presence. Father, I pray that we would bow our hearts and minds and attention to your word. God, I pray that everything you long to see accomplished through your word will happen in this place today. Father, I pray that we live this place more hopeful than we walked in. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's giving us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, what does it mean to have a, a living hope? Now, I, I think it means to, to live our lives with great expectation. In fact, the New Living Translation words the passage this way. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. We live with great expectation. And for some of us, that, living with great expectation, would be a radically different way to live. Because more often than not, many of us live with low or negative expectations. Things will never get better and turn around. Nothing good ever seems to happen to me. The only breaks that I ever get are bad breaks. And so what I want to do in our time together is to talk about living with great expectations. I want to talk about a living hope that's made possible through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now understand, because God the Father chose you, and because Jesus Christ died for you, and because the Holy Spirit lives in you, you can expect to have an inheritance. Expect to have what? Inheritance. And now imagine this coming week, you walk out to your mailbox, and you pull out a letter. It looks really official, and it's from a law firm in Boston. And the letter informs you that unknown to you, you're the only surviving relative of a multi-millionaire. His wealth is estimated at around $250 million. And they tell you that it may take a year to process, but by this time next year, by September 2022, your bank account will have a two and a five with seven zeros behind it balance. Now, what would be your reaction to that letter? And I'd be the first to tell you that I don't have any rhythm. Well, actually, my wife would be the first to tell you that. But I would do some kind of Two and five with seven zeros behind a dance, right? I, I'd do me some dance, right? I'd be jumping up and down. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. I, I'd go absolutely crazy. Like, my team just won the championship. Like, look, and, and, NC State beat, you know, uh, who were they playing again yesterday? Clemson. They beat Clemson, and, man, they just flooded, right? They just flooded. They were just so excited. That'd be me and some, right? It's like, you're kidding me. And you know what else? During that year of waiting, any time I was discouraged, I pulled that letter. 
and remind myself what's coming soon to me. Because I would know that no matter what happens, right, no matter how bad, get, bad things get with each tick of the clock, that inheritance is getting closer and closer and closer to me. 2,000 years ago, a bunch of Jesus followers whose hope, were, whose hope was fading went out to their mailbox and they pulled a letter, not from a, a law firm in Boston, but a, a letter from Peter, from God, that told them that they had an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So if you're a Jesus follower, God is saying to you today, hey, there is an inheritance in heaven that can never spoil or fade, and it has your name on it. I'm going to say that again because I don't think you all heard me, right? There is an inheritance in heaven. I mean, God's saying to you today, there is inheritance in heaven that can never spoil or fade, and it has your name on it. Amen? Amen. I mean, that's serious. That's unbelievable. I mean, have you noticed in life that many times the things that we, that we love and we give our lives to all seem to eventually break down, wear out, or fall apart? In fact, wasn't that what Jesus was trying to give us a heads up about in Matthew chapter 6 and Sermon on the Mount? When he said this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So where are you storing up your treasures? Where are you doing most of your investing? In things of heaven or things of earth? In things eternal or things that are temporary? Understand, you will take nothing with you, right? And neither will I, but we can see things ahead, right? I was driving down on 250 and Pantops, and I just noticed like a new, a new storage place opened up. How crazy is that, right? We have so much stuff. That our closet is not enough, our garage is not enough, the shed in our backyard is not enough, that we have to rent each month a storage place to keep all the stuff that we have. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I understand, moth and rust and thieves and inflation and an economic downturn or a corrupt and incompetent government cannot t- touch your treasure in heaven. Amen? Can't touch it. And here's the deal. If you are a Jesus follower, one day you will live in heaven. One day the sky will crack open and the heavenly Jerusalem will come down from the sky. One day you will be at home with the Lord. One day you will get a new body. One day you will be reunited with your loved ones. One day you will walk on streets of gold. One day you will stand and bow with a multitude of people that no one can count from every nation, tribe, in people language, and you'll kneel before the throne and you'll worship the Lamb. One day you'll live in a world where there'll be no more tears, no more death, no more lives taken too soon, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, no more guilt, no more shame. And one day you will live in a world where there's no more cancer, there's no more funerals, There's no more death. There's no more dying. There's no more disease. There's no more COVID-19. There's no more divorce. There's no more separations. There are no more broken families. 
No more murders, no more thefts, no more gossip, no more broken hearts, broken dreams, or broken homes. You have inheritance in heaven that cannot perish, spoil, or fade away. There's a great song out there I encourage you to listen to this week. It's called One Day by Cochran and Company. I love it. It says this. One day there'll be no more waiting left for our souls. One day there'll be no more children longing for home. One day no more lives will be taken too soon. One day there'll be no more need for hospital rooms. One day no more anger will be left in our eyes. One day the color of our skin won't cause a divide. One day all evil will be brought to an end. And one day our tired and weary bodies will find rest. One day every tear that falls will be wiped by his hands. And we will see the promised land. And in that promised land you and I will see face to face the one we have worshipped and served for all these years. Amen? If your team, you know, if the Patriots winning the Super Bowl this year, right, excites me more than that, the clue phone is ringing for me. I mean, that's our future, right? That's our future. That's where we're going. Because God the Father chose us, Jesus died for us, and the Holy Spirit lives in us. Inheritance will never fade. What does it mean never fade? I think never fade kind of, you know, you know when you get a new toy, and adults get toys too, they just cost a lot more? But you know how when you get a new toy, after a period of time, the thrill kind of wears off? I mean, no matter how many new car scents you buy, right, you can never quite get the thrill back again. Not so with your inheritance in heaven. Every day, it gets better and better. Every day, it gets brighter and brighter. And every day, just being there is going to make you want to do the two and five with seven zeros dance. Here's the deal. Remembering with great expectation your inheritance in heaven will radically change your perspective. You ever lose perspective? Because at ground level, things seem so bad, right? Seems so difficult. It seems like you're, like you're losing. Just like in D-Day, right? You know, the guys on the beach, you know what they were saying? We're losing, we're losing. You know, the generals up in aircraft watching the whole scene, having a much bigger perspective, while the guys are saying, we're losing, we're losing, the guys up above who saw everything said what? We're winning, we're winning, we're winning. And sometimes in life, I don't know about you, I feel like I'm losing, I'm losing, I'm losing. But you know what? From God's perspective, you say, no, 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 no. Because of me, you're winning, you're winning, you're winning. It, it, it will radically change your perspective in challenging times and infuse your life with living hope. You see, this world is not our home, right? We're just passing through. Mark Buchanan writes the following, like the tug of a huge unseen planet hovering near the, hovering near, I'm going to start again, like the tug of a huge unseen planet hovering near, the hope of heaven is meant to exert a gravitational pull that gives our life stability, substance, and weight. Ironically, it alone has the power to give us in a sustained way the moral and spiritual ballast needed to keep our feet on earth to make us of much earthly good. It's a rumor of home in a place of exile. It's a rumor of home in a place of exile inspiring us to keep up the good work. 
because we've been born again and live in hope, because God the Father chose us, Jesus died for us, and the Spirit lives in us, we can expect inheritance and we can expect God's power to protect us. Verse 5, who through faith are sealed up by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And the word translated shield, it's a military term. It, it means the guard to protect, to keep watch over, and it's in the present tense. So what Peter's saying is that we're constantly at all times being shielded by God's power. By whose power? By, by God's power. And when it comes to God's power, here's what I know about us. And that us will be me and that us will be you. I know that we do not fully appreciate it and we constantly underestimate that power. See, God does not just have some power. God has all power. Just a few verses. It's one of my favorite here. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Breathe out. Not on your neighbor, breathe out. So imagine breathing out and creating stars. And some stars are so huge that the earth could revolve around the sun inside those stars. And God just went, there they are. There they are. And I think one of the most powerful passages about God's power is in Isaiah chapter 40. Just listen to these words. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it, been not, has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the foundation of the earth? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. That's Isaiah 40, beginning of verse 21. He stretches out the heaven like a canopy. He spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to nod and reduces the rulers of this age to nothing. No sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Says the Lord, the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He, he brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls each of them by name. Because of his great power, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you complain, Steve? Why do you say, Steve? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen? I mean, do you think the fact that they were being shielded by God's power was encouraging to those Christians? People were being threatened on a daily basis by the power of Rome. On their own, they were no match, right, for Nero. But with God, Rome was no match for them. I mean, who's standing, right? Isaiah says this. Because it can seem like some of these terrible rulers are actually in charge. They're not. He brings princes to naught. And you never want to be brought to naught, right? No naught for me, no naught for you, right? It's, it's, I don't, it's not a word we use, but it doesn't sound good, right? He brings princes to naught and reduces the ruler of this world, rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, 
No sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than God blows on them. And they wither. And the whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Amen? They're not in charge. It may not look like it. God's in charge. God's in control. God's in absolute control. And there's no limit to his power. There's nothing impossible or too hard for him. And according to 1 Peter 1.5, God's power is shielding you. Even as we speak. Again, we can expect God's power to protect us, which means this. Ultimately, nothing can hurt us because nothing can hurt us ultimately, right? It can knock us down. But we get back up and live forever in heaven, right? So nothing really can hurt us ultimately because nothing can hurt us ultimately. We also can expect troubles to strengthen our faith. In this, right? In this, the fact that God's power protects you, the fact that you have a living hope, in this you greatly rejoice. Though for a little while, you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Quick question, are you going through a hard time right now? A challenging time? Whatever it is, that trial can serve a purpose. In fact, that's God's intention. These, what you're going through, have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may prove genuine, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Your faith is worth more than gold. You know my gold is going for an ounce right now? $1,752 an ounce. That's a lot, right? That's a lot. And why is your faith so valuable to God? Because of what your faith can do. It can move mountains. Your faith can change you. Your faith can change the world. And your faith pleases God. See, there's a purpose behind every difficulty. God never wants you, he never wants me to waste a hurt, to waste a hard time. Jesus' half-brother James put it this way, right? You know this, this verse. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking in anything. There's a purpose behind the pain. You see, you don't just have to go through it. You can allow your choice. You've got to do the considering here. You can allow God to use it so that you grow through it, right? I don't think you just go through it. I mean, why just go through something and not get out of the other side better, right? Mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Now, as most of you know, I like water when I'm thirsty. But I've been going through a a hard time since the end of July. It's been, I got to admit, it's been tough. I've never felt weaker. You know, it's just, it's, it's been tough. So I'm asking myself questions like these. Lord, what are you trying to teach me right now? How are you wanting me to grow? What is there in me that you're trying to purify and refine? You know, like, what is there in me that, that you want to be heated up and washed away like dross, right? Get, get rid of it. It should not be in my life. 
And Lord, how, how can I use the season of suffering and difficulty to bring you honor and to bring you glory, right? So I, I'm, I'm looking at those questions now on a daily basis, like, Lord, because you know what? I, I don't want to just go through it. You know, I, I want to grow through it. I, I, I want to come out the other side more mature, more complete, and more not lacking anything. For a little while, it's, for a little while, it's not going to last. This too will pass. You may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Physical, relational, vocational, emotional, spiritual, financial. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Because God the Father chose us, because Jesus died for us, because the Spirit lives in us, we can expect to have inheritance. God's power to protect us. Troubles to strengthen us. And we can expect the salvation of our souls. Though you're not seeing him, you love him. Even though you do not see him, now you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Sounds awesome, right? I mean, inexpressible and glorious joy? Sign me up, right? Supersize that for me. For you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, so Peter says you are receiving. It's in the present tense. You see, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to be saved. We're saved right now, today. Eternal life has already begun. Here's my definition of salvation. Salvation is everything that God has done, is doing, and will do for us in Christ. Salvation is everything that God has done already, is doing right now, and will do for us one day in Christ. What has God done in the past? He's paid a debt. Jesus paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we could never pay, right? Forgave our sins. What is he doing right now? He's working inside of us, helping us to live the life we were created to live, to live the life we've always dreamed of. And what we do in the future for us, he will, I love this verse right here, Philippians 3.21, talking about Jesus, who by the power that enables him, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, this is crazy, will transform our lowly bodies, turn to the person next to you and say, you got a lowly body, no, (laughs) He, he will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I don't understand what that's going to be like. It's kind of crazy. But it sounds good, doesn't it? That this body is going to transform it. This body that is perishable will be imperishable, right? This body that is mortal will be clothed with immortality, right? Everything he has done is doing and will do. And, and, and here, here, And here's the deal. Here's the truth for me. And I think for some of you, because I think you're standing right beside me. When it comes to my salvation, and when it comes to the fact that in his great mercy, God is saving me, it does not always move me like it should. You know what? I don't think I'm alone. So see, I'm convinced that in regards to our salvation, for most of us, familiarity has bred contempt. And not that we have contempt for salvation, but that receiving the salvation of our souls, receiving what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do for us, does not excite us all that much. At least not as much as going on vacation, getting a pay raise, that guy or girl saying yes, your team winning the championship, 
I mean, could you imagine the reaction to God's word at churches on Sundays that people just run out of the stands? Whoa! Yeah! 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 So what? They beat Clemson, right? I mean, what is that going to do for them? Is that going to fix their marriage? Is that going to help them with struggles in life? I don't think so. For the moment, it's fun, right? And, and you know what? It, I, I think the people who first held that letter, they, they didn't dance as much for their salvation as they should either. I think that's why Peter wrote these next three verses. Verses that kind of underscore the, how huge your salvation is. The salvation, like, ah, I'm not that excited. All right, Steve, you're going too long. I want to go home. I, I forgot the DVR for the football game today, and, and I won't be able to watch the game. And, and when's this going to be over? Uh, I should have stayed home today. Concerning the salvation, what we're receiving, that is filling us with an inexpressible and glorious joy, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look on these things. That, that, even angels. I mean, think of the things that angels have seen. The creation of the universe, the beginning of time. They get to be in God's presence all the time, right? They actually live in the place that, that, that Revelation talks about. And yet, they long to look into our salvation. I mean, I could just see some angels just chilling out, right? Having a barbecue and said, man, Gabriel, man, I... I sure wish that we could see and experience the things that Steve and those Jesus followers at Maple Grove get to experience. What say you, Gabriel? It's not the angels who are rejoicing. See what he said, that the prophets of old, like he's talking about Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Moses, right? He said, they wrote about this stuff that was coming, they couldn't get their, their brain around it, right? They couldn't quite understand it. And they wrote some amazing stuff about the Messiah, about his sufferings, about his glory, about the kingdom, uh, about the new covenant and the grace they would unleash. But even they searched intently and with greatest care, they still cannot fully grasp it. Have you ever imagined or thought after reading some powerful story in the Old Testament how awesome it would be to be them. I mean, how cool it would be David, to be David standing in that valley with the sling and five smooth stones. How cool it would be Moses to hold up that staff, to bring about plagues and to part to see, let my people go, right? Or Joshua marching around the, the walls of Jericho. How cool it would be to be Daniel chilling out with a bunch of hungry lions in a den. To be Esther Going all in and say, you know what, I'm going to approach the king, and if I die, then I die. To be Mary, saying, you know what, I don't get it, I don't understand how I can give birth to a child, but I am the Lord's servant, may it be as you have said. To be that great woman in Judges chapter 4, J.L., and to have that tent peg and do what you need to do with that tent peg for the glory of God. I don't know, I've imagined being those guys. To be Benaniah, one of David's mighty men, following a line, the line falls into a pit, and he jumps down in the pit to get the line. The line's like, what 
is going on here. Like, you're not trying to get away from me. You actually jumped in the pit to kill me, and Ben and I did. But you know what? They imagined and thought about how awesome it would be to live in and experience the grace that has come to me and come to you. They wonder, what would it be like to be them? What would it be like to live under the new covenant? They wrote about it. But see, there's a difference between writing about something, hearing about something, actually experiencing it for yourself. For years I heard about this. There's a picture of it. But one day, several years ago, I got to experience it firsthand. Anybody know what that is? The Pacific Coast Highway in California. Oh, my goodness. We went out there in the fall of some year in the galaxy far, far away. I heard about it. Oh, you got to drive up that. Oh, my goodness. We drove from L.A. to San Francisco in a convertible, listening to Switchfoot, you know. And it, I couldn't believe it. I was going crazy. I, I, I literally, I, I, I couldn't take it in. We even stopped, and I had bought a chair, and I just sat down, and I just looked at the beauty of God's creation. Actually experiencing it, right? Used a lot of sunscreen that day because I, I hate to get sunburned, and I just caked it on my face, you know. I was being filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That sunscreen was the inexpressible and glorious joy, and I did not get sunburned. But when Laurie woke up, she was kind of fell asleep. She goes, what have you done to yourself? I go, I don't know. I don't know. I used a half a bottle. It's unbelievable. I didn't burn, though. And what I want to do is we wrap up, and, and, and I hope you reflect on these this week and say them out loud to yourself this week. I'm calling them salvation of our soul true statements. Things that were like, oh, okay, so what? Things that David and Daniel and Ezekiel go, are you kidding me? That's what you get to experience? All right? And we're like, oh, yeah, I know that. I saw a flannel graph thing years ago in Sunday school, right? Just, oh, yeah, okay, we're saved. Oh, we're saved. Yeah, yeah, let's go do something fun. Okay? Here's the first one. You know, and, and do I have those on there, hopefully? Okay. On the count of three, let's say this together. It's after three, not on three, after three. Is it on three or after three? One, two, three. All of my sins, past, present, and future, have been and are fully forgiven in Christ. Are you kidding me? They'd be like, are you kidding me? Right? All my sins, completely forgiving in Christ, blown away. They'd be blown away by that. Okay? Here's the next true statement. Myself, oh, we tried to do the three. Okay. One, two, three. My salvation rests not on what I do, but on what Jesus Christ has already done. I'm saved by grace through faith and not through obeying works of the law. Amen. Isn't that good news? Right? You're saved by what Jesus did, not what you do. Okay, here's the next one. And I left the word out when I did this. No, I didn't. I put it back. All right. Hey. It's all good. One, two, three. God the Spirit lives inside of me and is working in me to help me live the life I was created. Live the life or live to live, right? We don't just live the life of Maple Grove. We live the live at Maple Grove. We put the live back in life, right? That's what I'm saying, okay? And that would blow them away. I mean, only the high priest could go in the presence of God, and now the presence of God lives? He's like, no. They'd be like, wait a second, I need to sit down for this. What you're telling me, Tom, is that all my sins are forgiven? 
And you're telling me, Tom, that it's not based on what I do. It's not based on me trying to keep the rigorous requirements of the law. It's based on what Jesus has already done. And now you're telling me that, that God, the God I couldn't even approach, the God that thundered on Mount Sinai and said, stay away from the mountain, right? You're telling me that he actually lives in me? They'd be like, this is freaking me out. It's unbelievable. I, I, I can't believe I'm experiencing that. And, and here's, here's another one. One, two, three. In Christ, I've been adopted into God's very own family. And now I can cry out to him, Abba, Father. Are you kidding me? God has adopted me? God has adopted me and made me a member of his own family. And I can cry out, Abba. It's a very affectionate term, right? It's like Baba or Abba, you know. And Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. This intimate relationship. They'd be like, that's crazy. We don't call God Abba Father, but we get to do that. They'd be blown away by that. We're like, oh, okay, cool. Sins are forgiven. Okay, that's great. Number five. One, two, three. I can at any time approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Okay. Okay. That was awesome. That was the day of Pentecost, right? Everybody talking and everybody's getting a different... This is awesome. That was... Who says we don't speak in tongues at Maple Grove, right? That was awesome. Wow. That was beautiful. All right. Okay, that's kind of crazy. But that's, this is even crazier, right? Do you realize, you know, if you work in a big corporation, you may not be able to go to the president's office, CEO's office. We live in a country, I doubt you get an appointment to go to the office and say, hey, here's my concerns that I have, Mr. President. You, probably not. You have access anytime. Anytime you want, you can approach God's throne with confidence, confident that he loves you, and confident that you'll receive mercy and grace to help in your time of need, right? They'd be like, this is, this is, this is absolutely crazy. All my sins are forgiven. And, and if some of those things seem like, eh, to you, I encourage you every day this week, you know, you know to say them out loud, right? Um, you know, they're all in the handout outside, right? I'll email them out to you and to me, right? You know, say them out loud, man. Like, all my sins are forgiven. We're, we're forgiven people. God lives in us. We have access to God. Uh, we've been adopted into God's family, and our salvation doesn't rest on us. The pressure is off. We don't have to do the be. We just have to surrender to him. Because God the Father chose us, because God the Son died for us, because the Spirit lives in us, we can expect an inheritance, God's power to protect us, troubles to strengthen our faith, and the salvation of our souls. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's giving us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Father God, we love you. And God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that can accomplish more than my words ever could. I thank you that your words are living and active and are sharper than a double-edged sword. And God, I pray right now as we sing, God, that you be with us. God, that we would realize where our hope needs to rest. It needs to rest on you. Realize that sometimes the reason our soul is so downcast and we're so discouraged is because we put our hope in something else. Help us to put our hope in you. Help us to put our trust in you. And Lord, I I pray that right now that all the things that discourage us will just fade away in the light of your glory and grace. In Jesus' name.
Amen.